Yeah, it's sports talk from the three bros. Something you can bet on like Pete Rose. And you better not miss it like some free throws. Giving taste is more accurate than Drew Brees throws. And it might get explosive like some C4. We just giving you a look inside the peephole. So if you got a weak take, you better keep those. And get your cheeks swole when you step into the ring with the Amiibros. Yes, sir. The Amiibro podcast is back. I'm your host, D-Mark. Here with uh, my two uh, younger brothers. But my two brothers at that, Jared and Jeremy. How we doing? 85, JDZ. What's going on, fellas? Yeah, I'm not sure uh, about you giving my government name on here. But with that being said, <laughs> I'm doing good. You know, just been up in the studio a little bit, put some new tracks down. Also, watching the Lakers put down uh, trash instead of uh, what it's supposed to be. So we're getting into that. But uh, I'm good. We, we live in life. What's up, man? Jared, hey, hey Jared, Jared, I know you're in the studio. Um, have you talked to LeBron? I know he's been having a lot of studio time and stuff as well. Maybe he can get in there with you, help you on a few tracks. <laughs> yeah, A and R. LeBron might A and R your project, Jared. I'm cool yeah. with that. I'm 100 percent cool with that. Oh, yeah, all right. cool with <laughs> I don't know about no studio. Anyway, uh, listeners out there, we appreciate you guys tuning in. Obviously, uh, we got a good show for you guys today. We're going to talk a lot of NBA basketball. We got LeBron. We got the Lakers. We got Kyrie. We got the Celtics. Uh, we're talking about Coach K. Got some interesting topics, so uh, we're looking forward to getting into it. But uh, let's start with this uh, Lakers game that happened last night. For listeners, probably be two nights from now. But uh, we're talking about when uh, the Lakers lost to the Clippers and are five and a game, five and a half games out of the playoffs right now. Uh, what do you guys think is going to happen? Are they going to shut it down? Are they going to just uh, you know make LeBron sit for a little bit? Are they going to start sitting other guys out to, to preserve trade value? Uh, what do you guys feel is going to go? What's going to happen with the with the Lakers moving forward? Let's start with eighty five. So they're shutting people down right now. Um, I'm not sure how much of it is actually injury and how much of it is just them shutting people down. Um, they they announced now that um, Kuzma's out for at least a week. Ingram didn't didn't play in the Clippers game. He's out tomorrow. Um, you got a lot of a lot of uh, you know, McGee, Javale McGee out. Lonzo's still out. Um, LeBron has said that he's not sitting out unless, um, you know, management or somebody forces him to. Uh, but with that being said, I mean, I don't see a, a large reason for him to be playing, um, except for the fact that there's an outside chance of him making the playoffs. And, I mean, they're paying him all that money. But, I mean, at the end of the day, this is a, de- a debacle. Um, I'm not sure how many of you guys watched that game last night. That was one of the worst games. Um, literally. LeBron was passing it to everybody. Uh, people were missing wide open shots. Uh, LeBron just isn't explosive anymore right now. Uh, I, I don't think he's 100%. He had an efficient game offensively. They couldn't stop anybody from scoring, uh, which is kind of the story of, of the Lakers right now. Um, I think the irony is, you know, for, for them to be a team built off of supposedly just being able to play good defense. The irony is that they can't play defense. That's the only like the the whole way they built the roster. Magic said, "You're not gonna beat the Warriors shooting. You're gonna have to beat the Warriors putting a team that can defend." And then he builds a team that can't hit a shot and and can't defend. Like KCP shouldn't be on the court at any point in time. Like that should be like the rule. Now, if KCP is on the court, you're not good enough to win. And then you know you you got. Kuzma, who can give you some points, but is terrible on defense. You got JaVel McGee, who, even in the game they beat the Pelicans, is throwing between-the-leg passes, 
for turnovers when they're up like six in the fourth quarter because he he's that aloof. I, I, the whole team has been constructed terribly. Um, if I'm looking at who I'm going to blame, um, I'm going to give LeBron probably 30% of the blame on this team. Um, obviously, his injury didn't help, but 30? Right. It's, it, Plus what? It, it can't be like 30 is a high number uh, uh, for LeBron blame. They were better last year. No, they weren't. Um, and, and <laughs> You're right. They're, they're, they're one game worse right now than they were last year. At the end of the day, though, what you got to realize is if you're comparing them to what they were last year, then you're you're still looking at the fact that last year they had no major injuries. Um, and this year, clearly. Whoa, 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 no, no. Brandon, Brandon Ingram missed more games last year than this year. How, many, how, many, games, missed more games how, how many games was that with Brandon Ingram? Brandon Ingram last year, he, he only played 55 games in the whole season last year. So that means he missed 27 or 23. And um, I don't know, 20, what's that? I'm, my math is off. 27, you're right. Yeah, that's right the first time. So he's missed 27 games last year. This year he's only missed 13 or 12, you, 12 yesterday. But you can say Brandon. About to be 13. Brandon's missed 13. Lonzo's missed basically half the season. Rondo's missed most of the season. LeBron missed 18. Like, you start going through the roster, everybody's second injuries this year. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, so, going to the number, I'm giving LeBron 30% of the blame. Um, I'm giving Magic and Rob Palenka at least 20% of the blame for that roster construction. I'm giving Luke Walton probably 40% of the blame from his terrible coaching. And I'm giving the rest of the roster about a 10% blame. Um, I mean, I, I don't think you can really be upset with how um, – Brandon Ingram was played, how well Kuzma was played. I think they, they've they obviously um, – I think you can look at it and say they've, they've all developed the way you would hope they would have developed. Um, but with that being said, I just don't think they're, that team is good enough to win, and Luke Walton's done an awful job coaching. I, I hate to be on the side of, of siding with LeVar Ball in any way, shape, or form, but if I'm if I'm having to, to listen to what LeVar said when he said that Luke Walton ruined his son – um, because he doesn't know how to coach. Like, there's a cer- certain part of that. Like, you play the Suns. The Suns, the only advantage that they have versus anybody is they're big and they have a lot of size. You got DeAndre Ayton, the number one pick in the draft, who's seven feet. You got Josh Jackson, who's playing small forward at 6'9". You got uh, Dragon Bender, who's 6'11". You got a lot of size. And you go out and roll a small lineup and have, for the first half, DeAndre Ayton getting guarded by Kyle Kuzma. Like, and then, oh, you, you decide to like finally switch the matchup and put LeBron on him or something. But, but you don't figure that out until you're down 19, and then it's too late. So I think that's my breakdown. And, uh, I mean, unless they win, like, 18 straight games, they're definitely not making the playoffs. It ain't happening. J.D., so what you feel about this team, man? Is LeBron, is he, is he owed uh, a lot of the uh, credit for them being so bad? LeBron's got to at least take 65% of the blame. Jared, 30% is literally laughable. He's at least 65% responsible. Who was the person who came up with all of these, oh, yeah, uh, let's get Anthony Davis, and uh, we're going to try to trade a whole team away. You know, we're going to have secret meetings, and we're going to go off, and we're going to do, you know, secret dinners after after games. I mean, this was all the LeBron plan was to get rid of all the young players. And what ended up happening? It ended up backfiring and they haven't been able to win. Since LeBron came back on January the 31st, they are 
four and nine. I was ter- I was told all this all these numbers about how well you know they were six and twelve when LeBron was gone, and that's the reason why they're not gonna why they're not in the four spot, and you know they just let LeBron down. You know what? They're six and twelve without LeBron. They are five and twelve without Lonzo Ball, and I've heard not one person bring that up. They're five and seven without Brandon Ingram. They played an easy portion of the schedule at the beginning of the season. LeBron wanted to trade all the young talent away, and it ended up backfiring on LeBron. LeBron is not a top five player in the league. He has not been for some time. I've been telling you guys that for forever. He's playing in the Eastern Conference. He was playing against sub subpar competition. I think if you put this team with the Lakers in the East, they'd probably still be the favorite to come out. That's how bad the East has been. If you look at the East right now, there's only five teams that are above 500. And this is actually the strongest year in the East since 2010. No, so stop that. It is. Sure. If you're if you're gonna try to compare yeah. those two though, like let's look at it from a realistic standpoint. Clearly, nobody would argue the fact that LeBron's not healthy right now. He's not been healthy since that injury. Wait, wait, before before you go before you go to that, did you not tell me that Steph Curry, because he had good games after he came back from his injury in 2016, and because he didn't have offseason surgery, that he was healthy in that finals, and that wasn't an excuse. Well, I, I, so I, I, you I'm, told I'm not me giving Steph, Steph Curry a pass, and I'm not giving LeBron a pass. <clears throat> but if we we could tell that Steph Curry. But you said he was healthy. I said if you're you can't be healthy when you play well and then be hurt when you play bad. Same way. But LeBron hasn't played well since he no, got back. LeBron has had stretches he played well. But here's the deal: when stuff wasn't, so he's not can hurt. I finish. What, what, I mean, you you kind of do it for ten minutes and cut it to no, my time. But sure, when stuff isn't playing well, <laughs> then I didn't say oh stuff's not a top five player because he played bad in a series. Likewise, you can't look at a twenty game stretch. And then try to say, well, clearly LeBron's not healthy. And then try to say, LeBron's not a top 10, 20 player. And plus, the East uh, is better up Jimmy, top this year. Jared, he gave you his right, time. But Jimmy, look, reclaim real your time. Quick. Reclaim yeah. your time. I'm alive. Bro, the East is way deep, was <laughs> way deeper. They're not deep this year. They're they're top heavy now. Thank you. Jeremy, continue. Like I was saying, LeBron is the least responsible for 65% of his blame. You like he's, he's gotten to the point where Kyle Kuzma, is shoving LeBron out to play defense. LeBron was standing in the lane, and Kyle Kuzma comes up behind him like, hey, go guard that guy. He shoved LeBron out to, to guard somebody yesterday. I mean, Yo, that I is, got shoved like that when I was a freshman. When I played with the varsity uh, in the gym one time when I was <laughs> trying to close out on the shooter. So he bet. Yeah. Kyle Kuzma, I give him a lot of credit for that. Yeah. I, it, this is what, what it's come down to with LeBron. And I don't want to hear that, they, that he missed games and they've had injuries because, like I said before, Kobe missed over a month. In 2006 or 2005, the season after after Shaq left, and they missed the playoffs, and nobody said that for Kobe. So I'm not giving LeBron any passes. I, I, the, the narrative that's been going around has been, you know what, ever since these trade rumors have come out, you know, the, the young players just haven't responded, and it's their responsibility they have to be professionals. Brandon Ingram's averaged like 28 points a game since the All-Star break. He's averaging like 23 a game on 55% shooting since the trade uh, deadline happened. So, overall, you can't blame it on those guys. And that's what the media narrative has been. LeBron has been terrible on defense. LeBron is obviously not a top-five player in the league right now. And it's really embarrassing. Right now, you're seeing a revolting of the L.A. Lakers fans. I told you it would happen. I told you that the Lakers fans would not put up with, oh, we're going to blame everybody else. I told you if they didn't succeed, we would start blaming LeBron. And did you hear what happened yesterday? During LeBron's last free throw miss with four minutes to go, they started chanting, we want Kobe. That's what they're chanting during LeBron's wow. free throws because he hasn't gotten it done. 
He's chasing Michael B. Jordan. So, <clears throat> you done? Uh, sure, go okay, ahead. Okay, let's, <clears throat> let's look at a couple of these. First off, I'm not going to give you a pass on saying, oh, because these players, because LeBron wanted, wanted them traded, because Kobe did the exact same thing. If you remember, Kobe publicly said he wanted Jason Kidd, and he wanted them to trade Andrew Bynum for Jason Kidd. Nobody gave. Nobody said, oh, well, Bynum, you have an excuse not to play well because of the fact that Kobe p- publicly said he wanted Jason Kidd. So I'm not going to give back. Brandon, Brandon Ingram Brandon Ingram, and, J- and uh, Kyle Kuzma are both averaging more points right now than, Brandon, than Andrew Bynum did at any point in time in his But, career. Jeremy, Andrew Bynum was a great defender. Andrew Bynum averaged way more rebounds than them. And Andrew Bynum was, cons- was an all-NBA player. None of them have even made an all-star game. So wait, he made wait, he made the all NBA players seven years later. At that point in time in his career, Brandon, uh, Andrew Bynum wasn't even averaging 10 points. But Jeremy, at the end of the day, <clears throat> he wanted to make that trade. Secondly, if you're going to talk about the Lakers fans revolting, they are. Yeah, they should. You know why? Right now, LeBron's not playing like a top five player in the league because he's injured. And I, I think at the end of the day, that's all you can look at if you're a Lakers fan is to say, you came here. I had a lot of expectations and you haven't. Fulfill the expectations that I had. I'm not a. I. I don't think LeBron is looking at that and saying, "Oh, I'm surprised by it." What I will tell you is this, though: as much as you want to say, "Oh, LeBron and the blame from LeBron," at the end of the day, that team didn't win with when they haven't won games except when LeBron is healthy. When LeBron was healthy, they won games. When LeBron was no longer healthy, they haven't won games. And even with LeBron in here, as bad as LeBron has been, quote unquote, he's averaging twenty-seven, eight and eight on over 50% from the field, and it's a terrible season. So that, boy. with that being said, Aaron Rodgers, number two. You can, you can call him Aaron Rodgers because he doesn't have a defense either. He has nobody around him that's a good defender. There's not another person on the team besides Lonzo who's an above-average defender in the league. So with that being said, Here, stop. Th- th- there's not. So if you want to look at it and say, okay, th- compare this to Kobe's year where they missed the playoffs, do that because when Kobe missed the playoffs, they had a losing record when Kobe played. And they had a losing record when Kobe didn't play. That's not the case this year. Uh, you can say that, but you can also say the fact that their record with LeBron this year, what is it? They're one game over 500? Two. They're I mean, 24 and 22. Okay. Well, they got a better record with Lonzo out. And so right, when Lonzo plays and then they do when LeBron plays. Sure. So, uh, we'll just keep it at that. I think we could all, <laughs> we could all agree that, uh, you know, the, the talk was a lot different. Than it is now. Uh, we were speaking a few months ago about the Lakers, and um, uh, I think one, Jared's one more thing, a lot more disappointed in, 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 than Jeremy's. I think Jeremy, this is you know, he kind of hedged his bet. He, you know, he wants the Lakers to win, but he doesn't like LeBron. So if the Lakers do lose, it's the perfect time for him to say, say LeBron sucks. Which well, well, not one more thing, though. Right no. But go ahead. Go well, ahead I, I just want to address one thing. I, I forgot to address this point. LeBron better not sit down. There's 18 games left in the season. If LeBron sits down right now, I'm telling you right now. They're going to trade LeBron in all season. The fans are going to revolt. They're going to kill LeBron if he doesn't play. He okay, like he so wouldn't even better. He they no, wouldn't he better film a film a movie in the off season. No, no at, he, at the end of the day, play for the rest of the I think LeBron should play until they're eliminated from playoff contention, and then he should sit. You know why? Because LeBron has played. No, he should not sit. No, he should sit. LeBron has played. If you put this in perspective, LeBron over his career right now, including Jordan Wizards Wizards years has played over 5,000 more minutes than Jordan played in his career. And if you look at it, because of the fact that he's playing in the June every year. Jordan's <laughs> never shut down when his, when his team didn't make but, it. And, and oh, wait. Jordan played a full contact sport. No, they didn't. Huh? Jordan, Jordan, 
Jordan, Jordan played a full contact sport. LeBron is playing where you can't put two hands on people. Uh, yeah, but the difference is you play an extra 20 games a year, then at the end of the day, that's what, that's what happens. LeBron has been – if you look at Jordan in his career, Jordan had breaks. Jordan played college at the beginning when LeBron was playing. Then he had a foot break, so he missed the entire season. Then he played for about six years, got then retired to play baseball for two, then came back and played another three years, retired again, then took off another two, came back and played two. So he never had a stretch where, like LeBron, and he would have likely, but – Jared, you are a great – I mean, I swear, dude, you like the Johnny no, Cochran a little bit. What I said, no no other players played eight straight finals. Jared, we get it. You and, love no, LeBron. No, no you, you just cut me off. <laughs> No other players played eight straight years like LeBron making it to the finals or making an extended run in the playoffs. So now I think it'd be a good time to get arrested. Okay. Well, one last thing. One last Jeremy, thing. I just want to point Jeremy, out. You said one last thing two things ago. Yeah, yeah, sorry. Here you go. One last thing. Everybody talks about Jordan's Wizards. They were 18 wins, and Jordan got them to 37 wins. LeBron's not on pace to get the Lakers to 37 wins. They were at 35 wins last year. They added Jerry Stackhouse as well. That, that's all I- uh, not, not they did. All right. <laughs> speaking of uh, LeBron uh, type dudes, uh, his uh, brother from a, from another mother, uh, Kyrie Irving, has been in the news lately. Uh, he has some uh, interesting things to say about his teammates and his organization. Uh, he's making making some comments about how he doesn't like the limelight, but he does movies. Um, <laughs> just just start with Jared. What do you think? Of, what do you feel? about Kyrie as a person and what do you think about Kyrie as a basketball player and ultimately are the Celtics a better team without Kyrie so uh, this is probably going to sound blasphemous but the Celtics are a better basketball team without Kyrie and it's not Kyrie's fault because Kyrie is a tremendous basketball player I think from a talent standpoint he does everything you want him to be able to do on a basketball court the problem is He's best when he has the ball in his hands and he's trying to score and he's dazzling and he's driving through the lane and he's creating. But nobody on the Celtics works best in that situation. The Celtics team are better when the ball is moving around and everybody can get their touches and everybody's energized because that also fuels their defense. If you look at them on the season, they are significantly better without Kyrie on the court. They're they're If you look at their scoring, they're plus, I want to say around nine points per game with Kyrie off the court. If you look at it uh, uh, from an, the uh, amount of points per 100 possessions, if you look at them defensively, they're better with him off the court. Um, I think at the end of the day, the biggest part of Kyrie's game is his ability to be able to close, which is fantastic for the team, and I think that's needed. But it's almost – I almost equate it to this. If you watch the Eagles play, who's a better quarterback, Nick Foles or Carson Wentz? It's clearly Carson Wentz. But the Eagles play better when Carson Wentz is hurt. They play better – when it's Nick Foles in there and they can because Nick Foles doesn't ad lib, he just runs the offense. And that's what Terry Rozier does. Terry Rozier doesn't go in there and try to do everything. He, he he's scary Terry to an extent, but he passes the ball and Jalen Brown's gonna get you 18, and Jalen uh, Jason Terry uh, Jason uh, Tatum's gonna get you 23, and then Tatum uh, and then uh Rozier's gonna get you 16, and Horford's gonna get you 20. And even when when Kyrie misses games, I mean there was a game where Hayward got you 35. So at the end of the day, when Kyrie's in there, the team is just not the same, and they should have traded him before the trade deadline because he's leaving in the offseason anyway. And if you would have made that trade, you could have gotten back a haul. Now you're getting back nothing at all. Bars. All right. I'm glad he you bar- brought that he up. He barred you up. 
What you got? Uh, I'm just going to refute all the stats Jared just brought up. First off, they're way worse. Way worse. When Kyrie's off the floor than they are when Kyrie is on the floor. I just want to give you the stats because when people bring up they're better without Kyrie, they bring up the ten, the 11 games they played without Kyrie this year and that they were 9-2 and two in those games. That sounds great. It sounds like, man, you know, they won, they won those games by an average of 10 points. They outscored their opponents in those games by 110 points. Um, so overall, it sounds like, man, this, this team is way better without Kyrie. Let's just go through those games. In those 11 games, only two of them were against teams with a winning record. Eight of them were at home. So they were 8-0 at home. The three road games, two of them were against teams with a winning record. And they were 1-2 and two in those games. And the one game that they won was against Philly, who they own already. So what they showed you is they can be terrible teams at home without Kyrie Irving. Is that really realistic of what we're looking at? Is that really realistic on the season? So let's actually look at the real numbers. Even with that 110 points that they're plus minus on in those games without Kyrie. With Kyrie on the floor this season, they are plus 279, uh, 295 points. With Kyrie off the floor, they are plus eight points. So if you take those 10 games out where they play without Kyrie against other games, so the games Kyrie's actually played, when Kyrie's on the floor, they are plus 295. The problem is when Kyrie is off the floor in those games, they are minus 102. We look at, at like, it's, the funny thing is me, with me is I look at the Lakers, for example, and everybody's been blamed. I mean, look at, like, like Rondo. Rondo's not making shots. And Brandon Ingram and Kyle Kuzma. And, you know, it seems like everybody gets blamed. Yet, we look on the Boston Celtics and people say, well, they're worse this year than they were last year. So that must be Kyrie's fault. Did y'all forget Kyrie played all but 20 games last season? And they were they were 41 and 19 with Kyrie, and including the playoffs, they were 25 and 16 without him. Who was the player who got added? It was Gordon Hayward, who has been absolutely horrible since the All-Star break. Gordon Hayward is averaging 23 minutes per game. He's shooting 31% from the field. He is averaging five points per game. And everybody's blaming Kyrie. Like the other, the other day when they played uh Houston. People blame Kyrie for them losing that game. Kyrie was 14 of 34 for, I mean, 14 of 24 for, what, 29, 30 points, something like that. No, no, it's 34 points. And Gordon Hayward had three points. Okay, I'm, I'm assuming that's probably all on Kyrie, huh? What I'm seeing right now is the media narrative that they're trying to create. I still think it's somehow affiliated with them not liking him leaving LeBron. But the media kind of has their darlings. Anthony Davis is one of the darlings. Why is Anthony Davis viewed any differently than Melo is? Why is Kevin Durant going to join a, a powerful team viewed differently than LeBron going to join a powerful team? It's because oh, they have their it. narrative. They're completely they, different in all situations. You know no, 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 no. Kyrie Irving right now, people are looking at him as a bad leader, and I think he's been a bad leader this season. But people aren't looking at LeBron as a bad leader. People have been LeBron a bad leader stuff. all season. <laughs> What are you they talking haven't. about? You, you've you been calling LeBron a terrible leader. Everybody's been calling about? him a bad leader all season. Look, I, I have. No, no, no. I have. The show's too. I've been it objectively. No, no, no. Nobody's been saying LeBron's been a bad leader. People are saying they need to, oh, they need to toughen up and they need to grow Jeremy. up. And they, Jeremy, even Jeremy. Shannon Sharp was saying that LeBron needed to be a better leader. And that's Shannon Sharp. 
All I'm saying is this. Kyrie, if he wasn't on that team right now, I don't think they're a playoff team. Everybody's talking about how good this team is. They're no more talented than the Lakers without LeBron. They're not. If you take Kyrie off and LeBron off, they're pretty much the same team. One team has a better coach. The Celtics have been healthier. But off the court, I mean, hey, they, they really can't play. Like, like Jay, Jason Tatum has been solid, but he's not what people expect him to be. He's shooting 46%, averaging 16 points per game. Jalen Brown is shooting 45%, averaging 12 points a game. Everybody brings up Scary Terry, Terry Rozier. That guy, you know, he's a starting point guard in the league. Terry Rozier for his career averages 38% from the field. He has yet to shoot 40% for a, uh, for a season in his entire career. And he's a scoring guard that doesn't pass. Like, what are we talking about here? Jeremy. Marcus Smart shoots 42% from the field. Gordon Hayward shoots 41% from the field. Al Horford is decent. Marcus Morris is a solid role player. I'm tired of people acting like this Celtics team is so loaded. This Celtics team, really, if you took Kyrie off of it, they're the Bobcats. That's what they are. They're the, oh, the Hornets now. Sorry. Jeremy, Jeremy, stop it. Let's, let's, let, let's go through a couple of, the, of reasons why that's nonsense. First off, talk about plus minus. There's a stat called real plus minus. You know what that is? It factors in no, your team's – it factors in a, a player's offensive efficiency and defensive efficiency and rates how much – how it equates to their performance on the court from a team standpoint. LeBron's rated an eight. Uh, he rated eighth in the league in real plus minus. Kyrie's an 11. LeBron on the season still, as much as they've been losing games, he's still plus 104 for the season. If you look at the fact of the – Way that, that you claim, oh, LeBron has been getting coddled and Anthony Davis. People coddle Kyrie. You know why? I didn't hear people killing Kyrie when Kyrie said, I don't care how we're doing because it just matters when we get to the playoffs. Because you know why? People look. Yeah, they did. Because <laughs> people look at it and say, Kyrie's a closer. When Kyrie had uh, the, I forgot what, what game was it that, that they played. Was it the Raptors game or was it uh, Golden State where he hit, he hit a game winner, it looked like, and then somebody else came back and scored the next possession? It was like two or three weeks ago. Uh, it was the Rockets. Oh, it was Lakers. The Lakers. Game. Yes, the Lakers game. Nobody mentioned the fact that he was, what, like 4 of 17 during that game. They talked about how he closed the fourth quarter. You know why? Because that's Kyrie's reputation. People are, are typically in the media are lazy, and they go with your reputation. Kyrie can be terrible most of the game. As long as he hits a couple big shots, people are going to say Kyrie was Kyrie because he closed the game. That's his reputation. LeBron is known as a team player. Can LeBron be selfish in a lot of situations? Absolutely. LeBron is one of the most passive-aggressive guys in the league, and he's going to do a lot of things that you look at and you say, oh, from a leadership standpoint, it should be better. But he's known as a team player because he passes the ball, so that's not going to be the narrative. It's not like the league has some, oh, we're just trying to coddle all these. And lastly, don't ever compare Kevin Durant going to a title team, comparing that to LeBron going to a team that won 45 games and added Chris Bosh and himself. That's not the same thing. We know it's completely. Oh, different. you can't yeah, compare. Top, yeah, yeah, because they only added two top ten players in the league. Yeah, what are we doing? It's crazy. No, oh, Chris, Chris, Chris Bosh is never a top ten player in the league at any point. And secondly, those Chris Bosh was a top ten no, player in the league at any no, point. Okay, he's only average twenty four and twelve. We'll go through this real quick. I'm not going to take much time. LeBron, D Wade, Kobe, Dirk, KG, Paul Pierce. You go to the Western Conference, you go through uh, Tim Duncan. You can't say Paul Pierce over Chris Bosh. Paul, Paul Pierce was a way better player than Chris Bosh. You can't. You can't. Yeah, Paul, Paul Pierce at that time was 34. No, he, no, he wasn't. Was you, do you guys Chris realize Bosch. that 
during that time when he was with the Heat, there was a series where he was dominated by by Roy Hibbert, and he averaged ten and four for the series. Like we're not gonna, Jerry, I, I, we're we're not gonna act but, like but you can't. I mean, it, it, it's depending on how you have him playing. He was standing on the three point line. I can say like yesterday, LeBron was getting guarded by Patrick Beverly the entire game, and the game before he was getting guarded by. That was a smart strategy. What's the center's name? From, that was a smart strategy. What's the center's name from uh from from the from the Suns by DeAndre Ayton, a rookie but center. They, like, they, they play a smart strategy. They both play a smart strategy. They said put Patrick Beverly on him. If LeBron tries to drive, everybody's gonna collapse. He's going to pass it, and nobody can hit an open shot. It was a brilliant strategy. Uh, and the last thing I'll say when it comes to that is, like, even if you're going to go through the rest of the players in the league, Dwight Howard was clearly a better player than he was. Uh, you can go through there, – there was a lot of – Melo was a better player than he was at that point in time. Uh, there, there was a lot of guys in the league that were better than Chris Bosh was. And, and Chris Bosh was a great player. He was a top 15, top 20 player. But don't compare that and that deep roster – to a team whose two starters, when you added, it was oh, it was Wade, it was LeBron, it was Bosh. The other two starters were Carlos Arroyo and Joel Anthony. They weren't Iggy, Bogut, and uh, and a, a entirely deep bench with Leandro Barbosa and David West and all the other crew. So that's, that's not even the same comparison. Nonsense, Jerry. I, I, you do realize that Kobe and Gasol pretty much won a title with a bunch of role players, and and. You added LeBron and Bosch, who were probably like the same level. And you're like, oh, they, all they did was add, you know, Wade and or LeBron and Bosch to a 45-win team. You, you do realize, though, you said wrestling role players. Andrew Bynum was rated a top 10 player by ESPN that following season. After they just, started winning titles, just, yeah. But he was just a role player. You realize in, in the playoff series, the two that they won titles, he averaged six points and four rebounds. Right, but he also defended the paint and didn't allow Dwight Howard to go off like he did versus Cleveland. No, no, he, no, 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 no. He was injured. He had he had a sixteen minutes game. No, no, that <laughs> Dwight series he didn't. For the for the entire playoff, both times he had a sixteen minutes game. I'm talking Dwight series, but go ahead. Well, let let me ask you guys. Do you guys, how do you guys see the, the season playing out for the Celtics going moving forward? Um, I think the Celtics are gonna lose first round of the playoffs. Um, I really do. They they're playing terrible ball right now. They've lost, I think, five of six. Um, could they put something together? Yeah, but they're not going to have home court advantage in any series in the playoffs. Their best chance is to beat the Pacers first round, which I don't think is a, is a layup. And if they even do do beat the Pacers, they're going to get mud stomped by the Bucks. Um, the Bucks are extremely long and, and and athletic. Pause. That's what she said. Anyway, uh, so they're extremely long and athletic. And, and the problem that the Celtics have is they have a lot of athleticism, but they don't have a lot of size. Kyrie's a small guard. Um, they, you look at that line they run, even Horford being uh, at, at a center. I mean, who's he guarding out there? I mean, even him, Brooke Lopez. Brooke Lopez could grab a lot of boards. Uh, Giannis can grab a lot of rebounds. So I expect them to at best win around. I, I expect them though, to lose first round to the Pacers. Jimmy, what you to the pace, uh, look, the Celtics are gonna win the East. I mean, come on, stop. Like, let's stop playing. Okay, overall, what happens in the playoffs that doesn't happen in regular season? You get plenty of time to come up with game plans of how to attack teams. How, like, like the the Celtics have had a lot of success against the Bucks this year. Even that last game they lost a couple weeks ago or a couple days ago. They had a last-second shot with Kyrie when the refs came back and said he was fouled twice on the last shot and should have went to the line to shoot free throws down one, which he, he in clutch situations, 
the last two minutes of games and in an overtime in his career is 56 and 59 on the free throw line. So likely you could say they would have beaten the Bucks that time. You're talking about what they're what they're scheduled to face right now. They're scheduled to face Philly. Against Philly. They've won 17 of the last 20 games. They just they own Philly. Like, like I don't know, I don't know another way of saying it. They own Philly. So I'm not concerned that they're gonna lose to Philly. They're not, they're not, so they they're beat not Philly. Philly though. Philly's the four seed. Philly's the three seed as of now. The Pacers were the four seed, unless they just dropped behind them. Maybe, maybe so. So if the Pacers drop behind, they'll destroy the Pacers. They'll beat the Bucks. The, like, literally, the only team I'm concerned about them beating is the Raptors, and that's just because they haven't had any success playing the Raptors on the road, and they won't have home court. But I'm still picking the Celtics to come out the East. The East is, I mean, come on. Stop. You, stop you won't put no money on it. But, uh, yeah, Jeremy has the help. I'm going to put it on it in Vegas. If you want to you give me them Vegas odds, I got to. Vegas odds? No, that's straight up. But, uh, anyway. <laughs> My boy Trey Young uh, got ejected the other day for busting down Chris Dunn. Pause. You know, get up, get up out of the city, Chris Dunn. But he got ejected. For one, I got two questions, fellas. Is the NBA entirely too soft? And is my boy Trey Young rookie of the year? Let's start with Jeremy on this one. Is the NBA getting too soft? Absolutely. Like the NBA, like I, I think the NBA is getting so. You know, they're doing a great job marketing. Adam Silver has done a phenomenal job. Um, you know, the players, I feel like they, you know, have the right to say what they want to. They have the right to kind of be themselves, express themselves. But the league is turning into a daycare center. Look, you can't stare somebody down after you hit a shot. That's that's a tech that's a tech that gets you thrown out of a game. Like are we are we being serious? It's already gotten soft enough on the contact. You can't even touch anybody. And then you got all the players who are going, hey. I know, you know, we're going to play against each other next week in the playoffs, but you know what? Let's go to each other's houses and we'll talk about, you know, what our team's going to be next year and how we're going to put all these teams together. No, like I want to see some actual competition, some actual fierceness between people. I like to see some actual disdain between players. I want to see players who don't get along with each other, who want to go at each other. And that's what you're seeing right now with the Trey Young situation. And they said, nah, I think we're good on that. You know what? From now on, I don't even want you guys to uh, come close to each other on defense or I'm going to call a foul and throw you out of the game. At the end of the day, I think it's gotten way too soft. I'd like to see some hard-nosed basketball implemented back into the league, uh, and I don't think we're seeing that. As far as the rookie of the year's space, I am still going to go with Luka, but I think he's making up some ground, man. He looks he looks very impressive. I'll be the one to say I was wrong because I saw Trey Young play in college and I was like, there's no way this is going to translate to the league. He could barely get his shot off over guys in the Big 12. So now that he's finishing in the paint, pulling up over people, uh, it seems like his handle's gotten a lot better because I didn't feel like he was able to get to the spots on the floor as well in college as he is in the NBA. But, you know, he's, he looks very impressive. But right now I still got Luka as number one, but he's definitely hot on his heels and I um, – I think with a couple more 40-point games, he might might be able to catch him. Yeah, I, I would agree. Uh, Luca's definitely the MVP right now. Or the, or not MVP, the rookie of the year right now. Um, second is Trey. But I saw Trey play in person last year um, in the NCAA tournament when I was I was out of Pittsburgh. I watched him play Rhode Island. And I was, <clears throat> I was really impressed with his size because I thought, you know, he's not that big on TV. And, and you realize, like, he's a legit 6'2 and change. Like, he's not, like – small as I thought he was, and I was pretty close up. So, uh, humble brag. Anyway, um, with that being said, um, I'm a little surprised at how well he's been playing because of the fact that his shot selection is usually what I've been 
I was really nervous, but I didn't I didn't have any questions about whether he could get a shot off. Um, I think the same thing that that bothered him in college was the same thing that bothered Steph, Steph in college, and that was usually when they played college in Charleston or somebody like that, where they had a lot of wings that had size on them they could guard them. But the problem I had with Trey was Trey took some dumb shots. I, I will tell you exactly in that Rhode Island game, they were up two points with about a minute to go and had the ball, and he he shot a ball from the logo at half court and didn't make it, and then they came down, got an and one, they were down one. And it was a complete momentum shift, and that, that was in overtime, and they ended up losing the game by like four. But literally, that was the play. I was literally watching it, and I was like, you can't shoot a ball from half court up two with a minute to go in the game with 25 seconds on the shot clock. Like, you just can't. But he's gotten here. He's playing solid basketball. He's passing the ball. He's not taking a lot of shots. Um, he's averaging 29 points per game over his last seven, which is obviously impressive. But what I've been really impressed by is, on the games where he's he's not scoring a ton of points or he's not shooting the ball at well, he doesn't take a ton of shots. He's still passing the ball. He's still being a team player. I think uh, for the other question, is the league getting too soft? Yeah, but in reality, every league's getting soft. Um, NFL has gotten a lot softer. College football has gotten a lot softer. And NBA's gotten a lot softer. Uh, MLB's gotten a lot, so- a lot softer. You can't throw it in anybody's face anymore. Uh, that probably should have been changed, but that was uh, never no. Uh, but in in, yeah. in in Major League Baseball, you You're you right. could uh, you could you could crowd the plate and you could you know run somebody over at home base. They've taken that away. A lot of the leagues are kind of getting to where they're trying to make it a more free flowing, higher scoring game because of fantasy sports and how people consume it. But with that being said, the NBA still, I mean, it's still a phenomenal game. The only thing that's going to make it disappointing is this year's playoffs won't include LeBron unless he just you know wins seventeen straight games. Okay, you're, you're very disappointed you're not seeing LeBron. Let's keep it all the way. Up. Oh, I am. But I am. Um, <clears throat> let's move on to another uh, another league of basketball, and that is the NCAA March Madness coming up. I don't know about you guys, but I'm fucking excited about March Madness. <laughs> I wish I was going to Vegas, but I'm not. But I'm excited about it. Um, just watch Wake Forest just blow. Um, I wouldn't say uh, they blew the game. They blew an opportunity. Wake Forest, they definitely win that game. Wake Forest were, were they were in coach they were in Coach K's building. They had a shot to win the game. It touched every part of the rim, but it, it, it didn't go in. So uh, they escaped that game, but they've been obviously struggling without Zion. Um, do you, guys, I don't even know if we should be asking this question. Jeremy and I don't agree with this question, but I'm going to ask it to Jared because Jared wants to talk about it. Uh, Jared, is is Coach K getting exposed? Yes. <laughs> Coach, Coach K... <laughs> That only, I couldn't even say listen, that. Yeah. Listen, guys, Coach K is getting exposed <laughs> like Kellen Winslow Jr. at a at a fitness gym. Um, that, that that terrible topic. Anyway, um, yes, Coach K is getting exposed. I'm gonna tell you why he's getting exposed. Coach K, for the majority of his career, has had senior laden teams who he can win a lot of games with and be dominant, but didn't have a lot of NBA players, and it worked well for him. And that should be Coach K's lane. Because Coach K doesn't do well coaching one and duns. I've been saying this for years. Nobody wants to listen to me. And if you look at it, they had it. They had it. Who's been better? Oh, Calipari's been way better. But let me go through it. Let, let me finish. If you look at Coach K and you look at their their teams with since they've been getting elite talent, I'm gonna say their elite talent is since Kyrie got there. That was their one and done window starting. They lost that year, second round to Arizona in the round of 32 in the tournament after being a one seed. Following year. Kyrie missed the last missed two and a half months, but keep going. But Kyrie, Kyrie played in the, in, in the tournament. Uh, 
He came back to the first game of the tournament. It was his first game in three Jeremy, months. He had like 25 points in the game y'all lost. I'm not going to give him a pass for that. Secondly, <laughs> secondly, next year, they had Austin Rivers. Austin Rivers was a top 10 pick. They had a, they had a few other NBA players on that team. South Curry would be, to be one of them. They lost to Lehigh. Oh, and then they had Jabari Parker. They lost to Mercer. Then they had the outlier season, which was a very good team, where they 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 won the title with uh, Okafor and Winslow and Young, uh, Jones and Grayson Allen. That was a, a heck of a recruiting class. Throwing, I think, a lot. And, and wait, 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 wait. We we didn't lose back to back to Lehigh and Mercer. I believe it. What was the year between that we got to the final four? I don't think you guys did. Well, we lost. We we did when we lost to Louisville in the final four when it was a close game and Ware broke his leg and then they took the momentum from that and won and won the national championship. Okay, I, I may miss a year. We'll go. We'll go that final four. I don't remember that year though. Who who was the one and done guy from that year? I'll look at it anyway. That was the go ahead. Yeah. Uh, so either way, when you look at that, I after that outlier year, which I think a lot of people don't give uh, enough credit to, um, they don't give enough credit to the. Uh, to the Quinn Cook, who was a senior on that team, but so they—that's their kind of outlier year with the one and dones where they they did something. Then you, even after that, you look at it. They they lost. They they typically lose earlier than they're expected to. And now I'm hearing everybody tell me how Duke. Oh, you know, it's a different team now that Zion's not there. Well, you know what? You got two other top five picks in the draft on your team, and you have all these other draft these. McDonald's All-Americans, coach, look, if Brad Stevens can get the back-to-back finals with guys at Butler, if uh, your your boy at, at Villanova, Jay Wright, can get dues. Because there, there, were, there was only two first-round picks on that team. But continue. There, there were two first-round picks on that team, as Duke has two top-five picks right now. And, as I said, you They're still – They're not seniors. They weren't seniors on, on that team. Um, with that being said, if you're looking at it and saying they have top-five players – at, a, at any other position, they have McDonald's Americans everywhere, uh, all Americans everywhere. You got to win. Jay Wright's winning without McDonald's all Americans. There's, there's people not winning without McDonald's all Americans all the time. And one of the things we can say about Roy Williams, Roy Williams isn't putting a lot of dudes in the league. He's not, not, not freshman. He's not putting a lot of freshmen in the league. But with that being said, who's been better than Coach K since 2002? Roy Williams has. Because as much as everybody wants to get wait, 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 why'd you stop at 2002? Because that's when Roy Williams got to UNC. So, when... He didn't get there in 2002. Roy Williams got to UNC 2005 got in 2002. No, 2002, you guys were like 8 and No, no, I'm sorry. He, he, got, got, he, got, the, he got there in 2003. 2003, you're right. The 2002 recruiting class was Ray Felton. He got there after their freshman year. So, he got there in 2003. No, 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 no. He, he, his first year was the year they won the title. No, his, his first year... They they it was the year Mello won the title. Um, no no not Mello. No no he was the first year he, he didn't was, win the title. He was coaching Kansas. He he didn't win the title in his first year at UNC. He won the title in the second year at UNC. I'm 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 100 positive on that. Um, but since he's gotten to UNC, UNC's won more more national championships. They've made more finals appearances. They've won, made more final fours. They've made more elite eights. They've made more Sweet Sixteens. They won more conference titles and. So at the end of the day, how are we giving Coach K the credit as being the best coach in the game when all he's doing is getting top five picks? He's got he had a class last year with four top twenty picks in the draft, and you know what he did? He didn't win. 
He is getting exposed as not Wait, being who, the best coach. Four, in who were the four top twenty picks in the draft last year? You guys had Marvin Bagley. You had Grayson Allen. You had um, Grayson Allen was a top twenty pick. He went sixteenth to Utah. As a matter of fact, Gra- matter of fact, Grayson Allen right now is playing D league. He is playing D league, but he still went sixteenth in the draft. Uh, so at, at the end of the day, okay. if, if you're looking at at the way your team is built, he's just not. He's not getting the most out of that talent, and they had no business being in a game with eleven and seventeen Wake Forest today, and they almost lost. Wait, uh, Jared, let's just get to the nonsense of this uh, of this story. You're talking about, oh man, well, you know, he Roy Williams since he got there is one more. You know what Roy Williams has? A worse ACC record. You know what he has? A worse ACC tournament record. You know what he has? A worse overall record. You know hey, what he also has? He has the only three teams in the last 25 years that had five or more upperclassmen McDonald's All-Americans. Those are the 2005 National Championship team, the 2009 National Championship team, and the 2016 National Championship team. So what Roy Williams is actually proven is he, he's so bad at developing talent that he can stack it up because these guys are not NBA eligible because nobody will draft them. So once they get to be seniors, they're the most talented upperclassmen team. That's what he's proven. You told me John Calipari. John Calipari has been doing this for 30 years. How many titles does Calipari have? First of all, he hasn't been doing it for 30. One. All right, when, when did Marcus Cam become into the league? Uh, 95, I believe. Okay, so he's been doing it for 23 years, 24 years. But, but even with Cam, Cam was a, a a spectacular player, but he wasn't that was, at that time he wasn't building a team full of one-and-done guys. He had one guy that was a star. That, that's different than what Coach K is doing. Didn't he, have, didn't he have Odom? No, that was Rhode Island. Okay. So, I mean, if you get to Memphis, you get to Memphis. He had stacked teams. Right, since Memphis, he did not right. win. He's Memphis. You're right, since Memphis. He so, so he, all right. And then you get, so he been in, what did he get to Memphis in 2000? Like, he's been, he's been doing this forever. And he's, he's won one title. He's missed the NCAA tournament like a couple years ago. He missed the NCAA tournament. So, what I've seen is Coach K has been doing this for approximately six years and has won a national championship. And he's consistently a number one seed. Like, I, I, I would give you Roy Williams teams have had better runs in the NCAA tournament. But overall, they haven't been nearly as good as Duke has. If you look at what Coach K has been able to do, they are – like this year they have one – I think one legitimate loss where they didn't, weren't at least missing one starter. And that was a game they played in the third game back-to-back to back, uh, against the number one team in the country against Gonzaga. Um, so, I mean, they, they've, they've had some injury issues. Last year, what happened? Jason Tatum missed over a month with a broken foot. Harry Giles, who was considered one of those guys, uh, or no, that was Bag- that was Bagley last year. Yeah. Bagley's, yeah, so Bagley last year, and who was on that that class? It was Wendell Bagley, Carter. was the guy from Atlanta. Wendell Carter. Wendell Carter. It was Trent. Uh, Trent. Uh, what's his name? The shooter. Yeah. Um. Oh yeah, yeah. Trent. Uh, Gary Trent Jr. Yeah. yeah. So they had some talent, and they got to the Final Four, the Elite Eight, and lost in overtime. I think you guys lost in the Elite Eight. I think. Okay, so Elite Eight, the year before, Jason Tatum, Luke Kennard, and Harry got Harry Giles, who was injured. So, I mean, like, you can look at it and say, hey, there's been some teams that have had some disappointments, but you're not going to bring up Jay Wright to me and tell me, oh, Jay Wright's getting it done. Jay Wright has been in the coach for 30 years, and Jay Wright probably had his first time getting past the Sweet 16 two years ago or three years ago when he won that first title. So it's not like, like Jay Wright has his history of being great in the tournament. Let's not act like anybody has a better history in the tournament than Coach K outside of John Wood. 
So this pure nonsense, the Duke is going to win the national championship again this year, and you're going to be saying, ah, it's just because I got Zion. No, no, I'm not telling you that Coach K is not an excellent coach. Let, let, let's, let me clarify what I say he's exposed. Coach K is a, a, one of the greatest coaches of all time. He just can't coach when it does well. He That's just not his lane. Even And, and I went back, Jeremy. That it was 2000, and uh, the, the year they played um, Louisville in the Elite Eight, and Kevin Ware got hurt. Um, the you know it was 2013. You know what his roster was when he made the Elite Eight. No one and Duns. That roster was uh, Seth Curry, Rasul Suleiman, Mason Plumley. I didn't realize Mason Plumley was still on the team in 2013. Um, and, and then he had. Uh, I'm sorry, I just clicked away from it. Blah, 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 blah. He had uh, Quinn Cook, and he had Ryan Kelly. So he had a whole lot of senior, junior type of players, and that fits Coach K's system because the system is somewhat complicated. And what he does to try to fit this new new age is he takes one player, he builds the entire offense around that one player, and if that player has any kind of injury or has a bad game, they're going to lose, and that's essentially what we're seeing. What what happened with uh, the one that won? You you kind of skipped over that one. No, so that, was that not the most freshman related team to ever win a title? Yeah, it was. As I said, I thought it was an outlier. They weren't the best team in the country that year. That was Kentucky, who was thirty eight zero and then lost their first game of the season. But with that being said, they played well, and they, they were playing Wisconsin. They were down, I want to say ten, and then Grayson Allen, who was a freshman, came in and hit, I want to say seven straight shots. I, I can't take anything away from them. That that, no, that wasn't that man. <laughs> I mean, he was it was unbelievable. I'm not telling you that he can't win with a team. Coach K is an excellent coach. But what I'm telling you is, Coach K is not the best at one and done. And right now, he shouldn't have the title as the best coach in country because he's not. You're crazy. All right, uh, let's move on back to some football, guys. The the, the combine was this past uh, past weekend. Uh, a lot of crazy, crazy workouts. Crazy. Uh, Records being broken. What do you guys think about the combines and who really stood out to you guys? Let's start with Jared this time. So there's a couple people. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna go to four people who are just absolute monsters, right? First one's obvious. DK Metcalf. Compare his numbers to Julio Jones, and he even dwarfs Julio Jones' numbers. I'm just gonna give these stats out. You tell me how crazy this is. He's six three, two hundred and twenty eight pounds. At wide receiver, he had a 1.6% body fat. He bench pressed 225 pounds 27 times and ran a 4.3340 and had a 41-inch vertical. That dude's off the Monstars. Next, my number two prospect, Montez Sweat out of Mississippi State, defensive end, 260 pounds, ran a 4.4140. Huh? Next, Quinton Williams from Alabama, 315 pounds and ran a 4.8340. Huh? Lastly, Dexter Lawrence from Clemson, 6'5", 342 pounds, and was clocked before he pulled his quad. The 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 time said he was he was hitting 4.95 in the 40. At 342 pounds. Look, man, I don't know how much the the training for the combine is helping these times and helping all this stuff happen. Um, and when I look at it and try to figure out how does the combine, you know, translate to the NFL, I can't tell you how much it does because I see some people that do phenomenal things at the combine and then they suck. And I see some people that 
maybe were a little bit off the radar, and then they put up a big number at the combine. They ended up being stars. To give you a couple examples of that, uh, Byron Jones from from the Cowboys, one of the best corners in the league. He he kind of came out of nowhere. Was coming out of UConn and broke the I think it was the world record for for broad jump or something during the combine. All of a sudden, he goes first round, and he's a really good player. Other one was Aaron Donald. Um, I, just look up his combine stats. He basically was was like he is in the NFL, just not a human being. And all of a sudden he goes first round when he wasn't projected first round, and then he's developed into one of the best defensive tackles in the history of football. So I'm not sure it means a ton. All I can tell you is get these guys on the field, and if they can play at any of the kind of speed that they're playing at at the combine, I feel bad for some of the quarterbacks, unless, it, and of course, those are the quarterbacks that have DK Metcalf on their team because that dude's a monster. So my thought is, obviously – DK Metcalf had a phenomenal combine, uh, maybe one of the best we've ever seen. But I mean, Saquon was outrageous last year. It's like it seems like every year there's somebody who has an outrageous combine. Miles Garrett the year before, and they generally go pretty high in the draft. I'm interested to see where DK Metcalf goes. I will say this for DK Metcalf: he did not have a great uh, shuttle time, uh, and his uh, start-stop quickness. Uh, was bottom third and um, all the people in the combine. So he had some great straight line speed, but you kind of need to have that in and out of break quickness in order to be a great wide receiver. And, you know, he didn't really show that at the combine. So hopefully that's something he's able to do. Uh, Julio Jones definitely had that at the combine as well. He had the fastest shuttle time out of all wide receivers. Um, Overall, I'm not really that impressed by a lot of these numbers just because it's it's just a combine. Like, you may tell you who's going to end up probably being the best defensive player out of this draft. Probably, what's Joey Bosa's little brother's name? Uh, Nick Bosa. Nick Bosa ran a four seven nine. He'll probably be the best defensive player out of this draft. Like that's that's the kind of stuff I'm looking at. I'm just I'm not even really looking at. It. I'm looking for outlier for bad. That's what I look for. Hey, there was this guy and he plays offensive line and he bench pressed two twenty five fourteen times. Orlando Brown. Those are the things I look for. I'm not really looking to make a pick off of somebody who did, uh, you know, great things at the combine because you're going to end up with a guy from the Eagles. What's his name? Mua, uh, Madia, whatever. I can't even think of his name. It's a guy from the Eagles, like back in the early '90s, who went seventh in the draft because he had the most crazy combine stats, and people figured out he couldn't play football. He was just this swole, fast guy that had no instincts and played linebacker. So uh, I'm not putting too much stock into it, and. Uh, good luck to these kids, man. Go get your money. What I, what I will say, though, Jeremy, um, Orlando Brown is is a good lineman. I wish the Texans would have taken him. I was still pissed off they didn't last year. Um, he went, I think, late third round, um, and he started for the Ravens this year for the number one rushing attack and, and played. I want to say he started at left tackle. He played well. <laughs> but I, I, I would agree. I, th- I think Nick Bosa is going to be good. I don't think Nick Bosa is going to be the best player in that draft. I think everybody's kind of giving him a lot of the credit because of Joey and how well Joey's played. And I think Nick Nick is really good, but he's 20 pounds less less than Joey. Um, he's still around 4.79, which isn't that explosive. He's, a, he's got good hand technique. I think they, they both developed that from their dad, who was a former NFL player. Um, but if I'm looking at who I think is going to be the, the breakout stars of this draft, Kyler Murray is one of them. Kyler's going to be a star. And the, the thing we didn't bring up from the combine, uh, the talk is that Kyler Murray is going to go number one in the draft to the Cardinals. Uh, the Cardinals GM said – uh, they said, is Josh Rosen your quarterback? And he says, absolutely. Josh Rosen is, is our quarterback for now. All right now. You know what? You know that qu- question is coming. If if uh, if Damon or Jeremy asked me and they, you guys say, 
no, Jared, are you going to stay married? And I said, yeah, I'm definitely going to stay married for right now. <laughs> the question would be, all right, so he's thinking about long term. This isn't going to work out. So likewise, when they say that about Josh Rosen, there's talk that Josh Rosen could be traded even to, and I think this would be a phenomenal decision. Steelers need a quarterback after Ben Roethlisberger. Could you trade Josh Rosen and maybe a third rounder and get Antonio Brown, then draft Kyler Murray? You know, dude, put put Antonio Brown on the opposite side of Larry Fitzgerald. You know, you'd have an interesting combination, and you throw in the fact their defense is already a top 10 defense. So um, Kyler Murray, I think, is going to be a star out of this class. And then, um, you know, I, I'm just hoping at the end of the day, there's a lot of good offensive linemen in this draft, and we end up with a couple. Let's go. Yeah, they better not trade for Antonio Brown because literally Antonio Brown would be the worst person to put with Kyler Murray. Um, I think the Arizona Cardinals are going to trade for uh, Kyler, but, hey, for what I'm hearing, all the people are really trying to offer right now for Josh Rosen is a third rounder. And, uh, you know, if you guys want a second rounder, I'll throw this late second rounder up to you. We'll get a replacement for Drew Brees after he retires. You can sit behind Brees for a year and get ready to go, man. Let's go. Man, your boy really about to be starting the NFL next year this time. Dude, he's going to go That's first in the draft. How crazy is that? <laughs> it's absolutely nuts. Because Russell Wilson, he needs to take him out to dinner. Yes. Because yeah, I saw the side-by-sides. They're basically like he's the same size as Russell Wilson. They're like, all right, cool. And he's maybe have a stronger arm. So, But the only difference I will, anyway. I will say, though, is they say Russell Wilson plays at about 225 pounds, and he lost weight to get to 207 so he could run his 40 fast. <clears throat> and Kyler Murray plays at around 190, and he bulked up about – 12 to 15 pounds to get to 207. So they were the same way. And he started for four years of college. Yeah. I was going to say they, they, uh, Kyler, Kyler plays a lot smaller than Russell does. But at the end of the day, I don't care as long as Duke can stay healthy and throw the ball down the field. So let's get it. All right. Well, as always, shout out to all the listeners. We appreciate you guys tuning in for another week of the Me Bros podcast. Make sure you follow us on all social media. Uh, IG, uh, our tag is, uh, me bros a-m-i-b-r-o-s underscore podcast um that took a well it took a while to get out right anyway yeah we appreciate you guys uh tuning to us next week boom we out